everybody. Welcome to Basketball Reasons. We are a Lakers podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. We're part of the Lakers channel here, the Forum Club. And if you're new to the show, glad to have you. If you're a veteran listener, this is where you're accustomed to hearing Bill Orem do a little introduction. Uh, Bill can't be with us today. I'm Brett Dawson. I cover the Lakers along with Bill. Um, He's not going to be able to join us, but we wanted to get a podcast out this week. And it turns out we get pretty good fortune uh, to get the guest that we've got. Joe Varden uh, joins me today. Joe uh, works at The Athletic. He is a co-host of the Tampering Podcast. He covers the NBA in Cleveland, where he used to cover LeBron James and often still does. And Joe, you will be doing so again this weekend. Thanks for being here. Yeah, it's good to be in. So you are in Philadelphia, where they say it is always sunny. Is it sunny? You know, today it actually has been beautiful here. It's about 55 degrees. Uh, the river between Jersey, where the practice facility is, and the hotel downtown Philadelphia uh, looks, it's just beautiful here today. So um, maybe even have, have to hit some rocky steps when I'm done. There you go. That's good stuff. So the Lakers are playing the Sixers tomorrow. It's a, it's a, this is a notable game. It's part of a notable road trip for the Lakers who are kind of seeing some of the better teams. Philly's been a little up and down, but but in terms of on paper, some of the better teams in the league they haven't seen yet. They played the Rockets and won. Uh, they got destroyed by the Celtics. Now they'll see the Sixers for the first time. All of that is kind of secondary in terms of the meaning uh, of the game and what, what what the game means in the grander scheme of things. Uh, and Joe is a guy who covered LeBron James. You know this very well. He is 17 points from tying, 18 points from passing Kobe Bryant as the third all-time leading scorer uh, in NBA history. He has obviously a very good chance to do that tomorrow. We're going to talk about that. Obviously, some people are going to listen to this. They might not listen to this till Monday. It might be over with. Um, he might not even get it. Maybe he'll stop at 16 points uh, and get it. have a chance to get it at home against the Clippers. But from your perspective, Joe, what what does that record, not record exactly, but what does that place, that standing mean, specifically the Kobe Bryant one in, in terms of the LeBron legacy that you know quite a bit about? Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind is that he crossed the 25,000-point threshold here. Um, so that would have been eh, five-ish years ago. I can't remember exactly, um, but it was, it was a game uh, here in Philadelphia early in the year, and LeBron went over the 25,000-point mark. He was the youngest player to do it, and now it would be a fairly large upset uh, if he weren't to pass Kobe um, in the city where, where Kobe grew up um, wearing a Lakers jersey, so there's a lot of symmetry there. It's, it's really great. Um, so, you know, having covered LeBron speak, um, for the last six years now and, and heard almost every word that he said, he's going to say roughly the same thing when this thing happens, which is that it's humbling and that it's an honor. And then it's something that he, uh, uh, hasn't given much thought about yet. And he will when he's older, but, um, you know, the thing about scoring is that he's, uh, he's, not really a scorer. It just, it's just happened that way. And he's played with a bunch of great teams and on and on and on and on. To me, what this means is that this whole idea that LeBron is not a scorer is just outlandish. Um, he's one of the obvious, one of the great, the very, very best scorers we've ever had in NBA history. Um, just a totally unstoppable force who also happened to be an excellent passer. He's the guy who you want with the ball in his hands late in the fourth quarter with the chance to win. He's the guy you want uh, on your side on a night when you need someone to go get buckets and kind of drag everybody else through a a sluggish night. And he's done that for 17 years. Um, So, you know, bravo to him. um, And, of course, his career longevity um, 
and also to at least play with more of an unselfish uh, approach to a game. But just make no mistake, he is a brilliant all-time scorer. You think there's a chance tomorrow that that once he does this, he will uh, bring up his old youth basketball coach and how he learned to be a passer first that involve other guys because he likes to tell that story. <laughs> yeah, he likes that one too. Um, hopefully, he goes with a different one. You know, it, I also I'm hoping I'm just I'm hoping for a nice moment for him tomorrow for this. Um, when he passed Michael, uh, that happened at Staples Center, and it was just. It was so sterile, um, and it was at the end of a terrible year for the, for the Lakers and for LeBron, and it would, be, it would be the last game that he ended up playing at all last year, and he wasn't very close with any of the teammates, and the celebration was stilted, and the fans in the arena didn't really know what to do, um, and it's more so just because of a lack of a relationship with him. Um, and so now, you know, here being in Philly, a place where LeBron is both revered and also he'll get booed for not coming here, Sure. Um, but, but, but the fans will, I think, respect the moment. And um, obviously this Laker team is much closer, much more together. And so it would be nice uh, to, to see what happens. There, there is a poetry, I think, to doing it in Philly, obviously, where Kobe's from and where I think, you know, the city has a complicated relationship to Kobe in terms of loving him as a native son and also kind of hating that he never played for them and, and hating that he was a Laker. And uh, there's a lot of stuff in there. But I think in a lot of ways him doing it in Philadelphia is less fraught than him coming back here and doing it at Staples where I do think the emotions would be pretty complicated. Um, you know, I think fans would celebrate him more than they celebrated him a year ago from the standpoint that, as you say, this is a much better team. There's a deeper relationship to LeBron. LeBron is his, his, his fingerprints are much more on this team. The, the presence of Anthony Davis is, is a LeBron connected thing. Obviously he's, he's much more a Laker now than he was then. But Kobe is the ultimate Laker in some ways. In some people's minds, he's, he's the favored Laker. There's, there's Kobe and there's Magic. And I do think that that would have some complicated stuff involved just in terms of how the Lakers handled it even um, because you, you want to pay homage to LeBron. And, and I would think if he does this, they may do something at home to recognize it even after the fact. But you got to be careful about exactly what, what you're doing to, to Kobe's legacy. Passing Kobe doesn't hurt Kobe's legacy. But there's a weird thing, I think, with the Lakers where you'd have to celebrate LeBron but be careful about the, the way you handled it. Yeah, Brett, that's a great point. <laughs> that really is. And I actually hadn't given that as much thought. And if you're not from L.A., um, which, of course, I'm not, it's, it can be hard to remember sometimes the, the connection that is very much still – uh, there between Laker fans and Kobe and that LeBron's presence there to some of them is almost a, an infringement or an encroachment on that. Um, and so I, I think that would be another reason to do this here. Um, but I think Laker fans ultimately uh, do want, I mean, this is going to sound obvious and ridiculous, but they, they, they want to win with LeBron. And um, if he's able to do that, especially this year, after last year being what it was, um, I think it will really, it, it will help him end his career there uh, with the kind of, of adulation that somebody that has done what he's done throughout his time deserved. This is, you know, this is my first year around him. And so I can't answer this question and you may not be able to answer this question, but you spent a lot more time around LeBron than I have. You know him a little better. He talked, you know, last night in Brooklyn about, look, this is great. It's great to be, associated with guys like Michael and Kobe, who he grew up, you know, grew up idolizing Michael Jordan and grew up 
to a point watching Kobe Bryant and then competed against him. Um, but he, he's downplayed the idea that it will mean much to pass Kobe. And, and I wonder if you have any perspective on whether that's true, that, that because there was a long period of time where those two were compared. Um, I think even after LeBron surpassed him as a player, the debate kind of raged um, for, for some time, even once it was kind of clear. Um, and I, I wonder if, if you think from his perspective, there is any significance to the Kobe Bryant piece of this. Yeah, although he never um, – I, I really don't think that LeBron – uh, spent a lot of time trying to compare himself to Kobe. And I think it was because their games are, are different. And this is like where you get into this whole idea of LeBron not being a quote scorer, whereas Kobe not only was a scorer, um, but he would cut your heart out of your chest trying to do it. LeBron idolized Michael growing up and he's just old enough to where, um, whereas like a Kyrie, for instance, uh, looked up to Kobe and and some of these other players who are in their primes right now. Um, Kobe was the guy, was absolutely the guy. And for LeBron, he is just old enough to where maybe that's actually not the case. And, and they spent a lot of time playing against each other, certainly. Um, one of LeBron's few regrets in his life uh, as an NBA player, I can tell you, is not getting the Cavs, yeah, the Cavs to the finals in uh, the year where um, where the the Lakers uh, actually end up meeting the Celtics and the Celtics won. Um, he he wanted that and 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 ta- has talked about that and and so, um, but but yeah, I mean LeBron has a, an immense appreciation for the game and the history of the game and being able to leap um, a dedicated score like Kobe, um, someone who's had eighty one points in a game. Yes. Yes, that absolutely will mean something to him. Have you, you know, this is my first year covering him, and I, you know, I've covered Anthony Davis at a couple of stops before this, but this is, my, and, and I've, I've obviously covered LeBron games um, when I was covering the other team. I wonder, from your perspective, just the experience of covering LeBron, and now you're kind of doing it from a distance, but you are around. You have written about the Lakers several times this year. Any any differences you see in him or any, any change this year, anything that jumps out at you about him this season? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and not as much from the way that he's playing. Um, I, I, I think, I mean, we can talk about that. But, but yeah, I mean, th- there is a concerted effort uh, on his part and on the Laker part to just make sure there is not drama this year. Um, you know, I've written this a couple of times that LeBron has uh, spoken less than at any point in his career when he's been healthy. And, and that is by design, certainly. And um, he just he he wanted to do what he could to foster more of an environment where it wasn't all him. And I think he's done a great job with that. I mean, I think, you know, he, <laughs> and, and yet when you think about controversial statements, what he ended up saying about China uh, at the height of sort of that controversy, um, I, I guess you would have to say was the most, quote, controversial thing said in the NBA this year. But from a Laker perspective, there is no drama. There's no problem with the coach. There's no problem with Jason Kidd. There's obviously no problem between LeBron and AD. Um, Kuzma, uh, whether or not you like how he's been playing, like he hasn't expressed frustration um, the, the older vets are feeling really good. You know, Jared Dudley loves being on the team. And I, I put a lot of that at LeBron's feet. I mean, I think he has made a concerted effort to make sure that was the case. You know, that, that's interesting on two points. One, I think what LeBron said about China is, is maybe the most globally controversial thing anybody said in the NBA 
in years and, and maybe the most controversial thing he's ever said. I don't think he views it that way, but from a global perspective, it might be, but that did, it did go away pretty quickly. And then the, you know, you mentioned Kyle Kuzma and there was a potential kind of blow up with Kuzma in the sense of, you know, his trainer is posting stuff about LeBron that, Mm -hmm. that could have led to some problems. And that didn't really become a big dramatic thing. And, and, and in LA and with LeBron, it's very easy for stuff to become uh, a big thing. Um, and, and you're, I think you're right that it's notable that that stuff is not happening and that they do have, you know, I, I, it's, 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 I'm not the first person to say it. I asked LeBron about it one day about, about getting along and how much it matters. And that stuff does matter to him. He likes to have a, a good drama free locker room, I think, where everybody gets along. He hasn't always had it in his career, but I, I do think it's his preference dating back to his youth. And I, I, I think he sets the tone, right? I mean, he's the guy. If there's a lot of drama, uh, sometimes that's because he leans into it. Yeah, th- there is. And there's also, um, I mean, that was something that Kobe thrived on, was creating chaos and creating discomfort, um, specifically to train players to be ready for that when uh, the chips are really down in the playoffs. And Kobe at one point actually said that that isn't really LeBron. Um, and that that's not really in LeBron's nature. That's not who he is, uh, that he's much more of somebody who wants to be a good teammate and wants to be liked. Um, his, his history and his, his actions are more complicated. He has at times called out teammates on social media. Um, he has, you know, publicly sulked and, and done some things um, to put himself at odds with players in the locker room, coaches in the locker room, just for the sake of doing it. But I think there was just a measure of fatigue from that last year and even the year before his last year in Cleveland. And yeah, I mean, definitely avoided that this year. How much you you weren't in Miami, but you saw him in Cleveland on very good teams um, with two pretty big name players, obviously Kyrie and Kevin Love. And those relationships were different and both of them were kind of fraught in their own way. How different do you see the relationship with, with AD as opposed to what you saw in Cleveland there? Yeah, I do think it's different. I, I think that LeBron wants to really, really make Anthony feel like he is not second anything um, and really feel like Anthony doesn't have to, to defer to LeBron or get out of LeBron's way or wait for LeBron or anything like that. Um, and he just simply does it in a way that he did not with uh, Kevin and, and with Kyrie. I mean, LeBron took the took the um, how do, what, what am I looking for here? He, 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 the way he approached it in Cleveland was, I am the one who is accomplished. I am the one who is older. Um, I want to show you how to do this. And he did that. And at times it was great. Um, obviously, they went to a bunch of finals. But that, you know, it, he occasionally did uh, ruffle feathers. And he wasn't solely to blame either. Um, but this, was gonna, this is another thing where he was going to make sure that was different here too. And he, you know, Anthony Davis is only about as old as Kyrie. Um, he hasn't won anything. So LeBron could have taken that, that approach to this and it has not at all. Um, LeBron and his team, his team around him, who uh, Anthony shares, want to make sure that Davis is co-featured, if not even more so. Um, and it's been a great partnership. I mean, I know you guys talk about it all the time, but Anthony Davis is having the best year of his career. Well, look who he's standing next to. He's pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things with him. I I think, one, there's not really a lot of crossover in their skill set. That helps a lot. I mean, I just think AD is a – 
he's a perfect sort of complimentary guy to LeBron. And I don't mean complimentary in the sense that like LeBron is the star and he's the complimentary piece. His game just really complements LeBron's and vice versa. AD doesn't handle the ball. He doesn't create a lot for himself and for other guys. He needs a little help in that regard. So it fits really well. And then I, I just think personality wise, they're a good fit. I think Anthony Davis is a guy who, you know, even even on his Kentucky team that won the national championship, Michael Kidd Gilchrist was kind of the big personality on that team in mm-hmm. terms of, of setting the tone of, of early workouts, getting guys in line, that kind of stuff. And I, I think AD's okay. He can be the most talented guy on a team, and you can argue that he's not on this one. LeBron is still so talented. But he does. I don't think he has to be the, the main guy on a team. Um, I think he's okay deferring some of that leadership stuff, and obviously I think that's a great fit with LeBron. Yeah, I do too. I also think that, that playing with LeBron will help Anthony really discover who he is and, yeah. and what, what his true – just the essence of, of himself as a basketball player. Like when he, when he was playing with new Orleans and he, he kind of had this canned saying where he's like, I think I'm the best player in the NBA. I just never believed that. Yeah. Um, and I think in the back of Anthony's mind, I, I just, it, he just, he didn't sell it. He wasn't out to sell it. Like that's not necessarily who he is either. Um, and playing with LeBron, I think will help him to more understand exactly who he, who he is because he doesn't, have to be more than he is if that makes sense like yeah you know he was a he he was a great player with new orleans um they relied on him heavily and maybe he wasn't quite ever surrounded with the exact right type of complimentary players and it just didn't work out he couldn't drag a team to a finals um and so now he's playing with a, a player who's still great uh pretty good pieces around them um, maybe could use a couple more but pretty good and he's able to really kind of find the right balance of who he is. So I've really liked that for Anthony this year. Yeah, I think, you know, I talked to Jared Dudley a couple weeks ago about Jared was saying the thing, one of the things he thinks will help Anthony, and he's, he's seen a lot of it already. He pointed out some things, some preparation stuff that LeBron helped him with in, in, the, in the preseason. But he just thinks like being around a guy who takes care of his body that way. AD is obviously a guy who's dealt with a lot of injuries. He thinks being around LeBron is going to be good for him in that sense, that he'll learn over time that you got to take these extra steps. It's not just about being great. It's about conditioning yourself to avoid some injuries, to to withstand some injuries, to get back quickly from them and that kind of thing. So I, I do think they are they are men for each other in a lot of ways, I think, as basketball players. They fit each other really well, and I think LeBron particularly is is an ideal sort of Anthony Davis teammate. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. That, but I'm, he's, he's, a, he's an ideal almost everybody teammate. But, you know. Uh, yeah. I, I thought, and obviously, I mean, I mean, I guess my scope of experience is somewhat limited, but I thought you couldn't get much better complementary wise than LeBron and Kyrie. Yeah. Um, just sort of the way they played off each other on the floor and the different things they could do, how just, I mean, mesmerizing they could be as a one, three pick and roll, um, two killers in the clutch, uh, late in games. It, it was really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, I think I'd have to say Anthony Davis is his best teammate ever. Um, and I think now like having LeBron at the top of the offense is interesting. It's not always great. Um, but in the meantime, the numbers look great. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think the league has changed a little. Um, and so now when you just think about these formidable, um, duos, we don't have the super team anymore. Um, I, I, Outside of maybe Kawhi and and Paul George when they are right and healthy and playing, I think I like these two the best. Yeah. So this is uh, an interesting thing you raised a second ago. They've got some pretty good pieces around them. Maybe could use some more. And, and that gets into an idea of something else I'd like to talk about with them. And, and you know, 
they are, LeBron said last night in Brooklyn, we have enough right now. Uh, based on the questions I got from my mailbag this week, uh, some fans disagree because they would like some more pieces. And I think as the trade deadline approaches and you look at what the Lakers might want to get or what they could be in play for, I think the idea of like what is a good LeBron teammate and not not at the level of Anthony Davis, but the guys that play around them, I think is interesting. Um, and like one guy I wanted to talk to you specifically about because Chris Haynes from Yahoo uh, reported some that the Lakers were among the teams interested in Derrick Rose. That's a weird one to me in terms of like a LeBron fit. And, and I wondered what you thought about that, the idea of like Derrick Rose on a LeBron team. Well, I mean, so they they were they played together in Cleveland, uh, LeBron's last year there, but it, it was it was sparingly because Derek right. was hurt, and then he actually he actually left for a while, um, and then when he came back, like they were too crowded, and so from that standpoint, right, you wouldn't think that this stage of LeBron's career that he would have any time to mess with anything that wasn't a sure thing. Um, however, the, the thing that the Lakers need the most is a third scorer. And Derek, for two years now, has shown uh, an ability to still be able to score the ball. And so you could bring him in for LeBron, pair, pair him with AD on that second unit, uh, and have a guy that can run an offense and score the ball. I, I don't think Derek is the, is the prototypical point guard, and that seems to be a need for the Lakers is that they might – be better suited to have a more traditional point guard and move LeBron back to his, his more uh, traditional spot on the wing. Um, but, but having Derek does, does create some upside uh, just in terms of somebody that you can book for 15 points, 20 points. And uh, well, I mean, I guess 20 is a little much with the other two guys, right? You could book him for 15 anyway, and, and they need that. Yeah, it's. I don't know that they have the means to get him. I don't know what the what the market is going to look like for him, and and what the Pistons are going. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure the Pistons would like to get a first round pick. That's not really in the cards so much for the Lakers. I, I I wonder. The thing I wonder about is I think the ideal guy for them is a guy who can play with those guys, as you said, can play with them or can play when LeBron is off. When he's off, you're kind of more of an engineer of the offense. And then I think when LeBron is on, if they could add another player, ideally you'd like that guy to be a playmaker, but also a really good spot-up three-point shooter. Um, because that's, to me, the ideal guy to play in the backcourt with LeBron is a guy who's going to make open jump shots. And when you're playing with LeBron and AD in particular, because you're going to get those open jump shots. So, you know, to me, if a guy like Darren Collison is available, if he decides to come out of retirement, if that's the thing he wants to do and the Lakers are a place, that to me is like a perfect sort of fit in a lot of ways. He's not the scorer. He's not the talent um, of a guy like Rose. But I think that's a complimentary piece that fits both those guys very well, should it be an option. Yes. Yes, I, I, I agree. I think, I mean, you hit, hit it on the head, though. It's The challenge for the Lakers, period, is going to be uh, what they can offer. Um, and it's it, it's going to be difficult. I mean, the, Kyle Kuzma is. I mean, every everybody at the Athletic has written this, uh, myself <laughs> included. That that Kyle is their key trade piece in terms of talent, but he makes no money. Right. He's, he makes nothing. So if you thought that you were using him to bring back the player of value that makes you a championship contender, well, the problem is most of those players make a lot of money. And so you're going to need to, to include a KCP who has um, who effectively has a no trade clause effectively. Um, or you're going to have to do something like part with Danny Green, who I think, you know, the guys on the, uh, uh, you know, at least in the co coaching staff like. 
Um, and so now you're having to look at that. I mean, do you have to move Rondo? Those kinds of things. So, and then as you also men- mentioned, they just gutted their their uh, draft picks um, to to get Anthony in the first place. So you might see them more as a buyout buyout option. The thing with Derek is he's I think it's a one year deal over there in Detroit, um, and they're they're going to be rebuilding. Um, so so he could be had, uh, but there's just probably teams in position to be able to offer more. Right. It's about $7 million. It's not like an impossible situation to do. And it's, I think seven next year as well. And I don't know what the option status is there. Actually. I, I, I don't know if that's a, a, a okay. just a year next year, or if he has an option or the team has an option. I have not looked at that. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a, it's a workable contract. It's not a huge thing. You know, like people have asked me uh, recently <laughs> remarkably about Chris Paul um, that's, that's an actual impossibility. I mean, there's just not a way, <laughs> there's not a way to, to cull together a, a, a trade package that matches that value and still really like field a team because it's, it's $38 million. They just don't have that to play with. Yeah. You know, the, <laughs> the other thing that just comes to mind and, and every situation is different and Chris appears to be, yeah, actually, I'm not even going to say that because it to, in all fairness to Dwayne, I was going to say that Chris appears to be in a slightly better place in terms of his body and his career than Dwayne was when LeBron and Dwayne got together. But I don't, I, I don't even know that that's fair. And I will just say then um, that, that the, when LeBron and Dwayne got together again in Cleveland, that it wasn't, it certainly wasn't great for Dwayne. Um, and so I don't know that Chris would want that. I, right. I don't know that he would want that. Um, but, I don't know. The Lakers, I mean, they have more to work with um, and, and being able to play with LeBron and AD in LA would probably be great, but you're right. It's not even really worth discussing because there's yeah. just <laughs> too much there. Yeah. It, it's, it's, and it's, it's long-term money as well. It's a, it's a lot of money for a team that probably would like to maintain some flexibility uh, going forward uh, for the post LeBron uh, era. And, and even in a couple of years, uh, just in the free agent market, I don't think you want the Chris Paul contract sitting there for two more years, even if you could do it. This is, much more time than we need to spend on Chris Paul because they just, <laughs> just can't do it. But people do ask it. That's why I mention it. it. It gets brought up. Obviously, they're very close friends. Obviously, there's a history that this podcast has a name because of, um, you know, with the Lakers. And so, you know, Chris Paul is going to come up, I think, with with almost any team and certainly with the LeBron team. But for this particular team, uh, it's just not a possibility. Anything else right. that you you think? Obviously, like if Iguodala gets bought out, that's a guy to me who's who's maybe the perfect addition for them just in the sense that I think they could use an extra guy who can guard um, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Um, but I, I, you know, at this point Memphis is holding out and pretty determined that they're going to make a trade there. And, and I just, I, if, if it becomes a trade, I think that's going to be a very difficult trade for the Lakers. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I do too. I mean, I definitely, again, I, I think that the, that the, the right path for the Lakers is probably the buyout market. And yeah, I mean, just this whole Iguodala thing is fascinating. Um, I mean, I, I, I just, you know, he keeps himself in impeccable shape. It will be great to see like what kind of level he comes back playing. You know, you have to suspect he's going to end up on somebody's team. Yeah. And I, you know, he's a guy who I think can, you know, I, I don't know. I wrote this for the, the mailbag that's publishing this afternoon. I, I don't know that there's a guy who's like, oh, this is the missing piece. And now the Lakers are the team. But he, he goes a long way for a lot of teams, I think, in terms of changing the way you would feel about them. Um, you know, if you put him on Houston, I think it changes the way I feel about Houston, just in terms of what he could do for their defense. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think it makes them the title favorite or anything, 
but I, I don't I don't have a lot of fear of Houston in a playoff series if I'm one of these contenders. You had him. Now I think you, you you've got yourself much more of a fight against those guys. He's that kind of guy I think for for any number of teams. Right, right, I, and then that's um, yeah. I mean the Lakers obviously would love to have him. I mean wow, what a, what a difference that would make on that second unit. But um, the thing that you know the Lakers have done all year, other than the other night in Boston, was defend. So yeah, um, that's a good that's a good position to be in. They, they, uh, we'll get back to LeBron real quickly and then I'll let you go. The, uh, you talk about the defense. Um, LeBron obviously has had a great commitment to defense this year. Mm-hmm. They've had their issues in some games against some of the better teams. I think that's, that's well documented. And we know, I mean, like Boston and, and the way Boston was playing when the Lakers went in there, I don't know that we can call that a, a, a misstep against one of the better teams. I think that was Boston playing a great game, yeah. which they had not done lately. But I, I just wonder, you know, do, do you have any concerns about the sustainability of LeBron's defense and, and that defense around him um, because of it? Well, um, so my concern is just that it has been a while since LeBron gave this kind of committed effort on all ends of the floor for this long into a regular season. Yeah. He, he has either been hurt, which was the case last year, or for the past eight, <laughs> eight years before that. He um, played at a certain level for maybe certain months and then kind of tapered off in, a, in the middle uh, to get ready for the big finals push. So um, being 35, uh, having put out this much effort for this long, I, I'm wondering how that'll go once we get into April and May. But, but no, I mean, if there's a player that I am not concerned about when the chips are down, it is that guy. And, and he's... Um, you know, I think playing with Anthony has rejuvenated him. Um, he's, I think, being out so long last year rejuvenated him. So I, 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 I think he'll be tremendous in the playoffs. Joe, thanks for being here. Enjoy tomorrow. Be a, probably a very nice moment with a guy you've uh, you've covered quite a few moments. Uh, of. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good to be in the building. I was glad I was there for Michael or friend passing Michael, and looking forward to, to Saturday. Joe, thanks for being here. Thanks everybody for listening. This has been Basketball Reasons on the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen to our sister show uh, with the Kamenetsky Brothers, The Magic Hour, also on the Forum Club channel. Subscribe to the Athletic if you don't already. Read Joe's work, read mine, and Bill Orem's, and we will catch you next week. Thanks. All right, Brett. Thanks, man.